thanks for shutting that door, man. I was afraid we'd let some of the heat out. <laughs> Happy to see all of you here uh, this evening. If you'll allow me just a second to, first of all, I think to get a drink of water. Huh? Early religious history of what would eventually become the United States was prominently Protestant and more, more particularly prominently Calvinist. And there was this notion in Christianity that you sort of worked, suffered, died, and that was it. I don't think it's I, well, let me, how I, let me rephrase. It's understandable to me that on the outset of the American Revolution, only about 15% of all Americans attended church with any kind of regular basis. Part of it was distance and lack of people to service them. But it was in the early days of the U.S., when the U.S. actually existed as an entity, as a country, that you saw the rise of Baptist and Methodist churches, and in particular, circuit riding churches where people went and preached at a location here and here and here and so on. It really wouldn't be until after World War, or excuse me, after the Civil War when 700,000 Americans died that church and this notion of Christianity becomes this extremely prominent but also extremely enjoyable entity. See, from everything that I've ever studied, in the United States, religion was not enjoyable. And I don't mean enjoyable in the way maybe that we're thinking of. But that strand of sort of Calvinist, you know, work hard, but I don't know if I'm saved or not, was sort of there. And unfortunately, I do think some of that still exists today. When I was preparing for this, and I will say it's been a while since I've prepared this, but I came across a story from the book, uh, the, the book, um, Huck Finn. And you know, I'm sure all of us are familiar with the story of Huck Finn. You've probably never read it. Uh, you may have read part of it or read something or saw a movie, but it's an old, of course, book written by uh, Mark Twain. <laughs> Fever dream is too hot. All right. So, anyway, in this story, in the opening chapter, he lives with this woman, Miss Watson, and she fusses at him for being too sort of free-spirited. And she tells him that he's not going to go to heaven if he keeps acting the way he's acting. And he asks her, he says, something to the effect of, will Tom Sawyer be in heaven? And she says, absolutely not. And he said, well, good. I hope I have somebody that I like with me. Because what he's clearly saying is, she's saying she's going to heaven, but she seems like the miserable, most horrible person in the world. But the person that he most enjoys himself with is the person that's not going. You know, there's a whole lot of that in Christians sometimes if we're not careful. There needs to be a level of happiness in Christianity that quite often, let's just be frank, is not really there. There's this level of happiness that's not always there. You know anybody that is an unhappy Christian? Probably don't have to look too far to see that, right? 
A lot of times those folks that are unhappy Christians are more focused on work than anything else, right? They're going to drive us and we're going to focus on work. You remember in Luke chapter 10, it feels like we've talked about this quite a bit here <clears throat> last month or so, but Martha complained to Jesus that Mary wasn't helping her with serving, right? Whenever I got this lesson prepared about three months ago, we had just talked about that, I think, on Wednesday night. But anyway, she complains that she that, he, that person wasn't doing their part, as it were. Sometimes this same thing happens with us today. We are Christians, and we look at other Christians, and we say, well, they're not doing their part. They're not holding up their end of the deal. They need to be doing a lot more. I have just taken on a lot of angst and aggravation in all that time I'm fretting about this other person over here, right? I have delayed or diminished my happiness because I'm fretting about what this other person over here should have been doing. What did Jesus tell Martha when she complained about that? Well, Mary had the opportunity to sit and listen to Jesus talk. She was weighing her options and decided what was best. Sometimes we fall among the thorns, right? Luke chapter 8, verse 14, we read, Now the ones that fell among the thorns are those who, when they have heard, go out and are choked with what? What does Luke say there? Choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life, and bring no fruit to maturity. Now, while I understand that that verse may sort of go against my Huck Finn description there at the beginning, the point of that is, is that when we go out, some of those things that get choked away by the thorns, we give ourselves over too much to that right there. But there needs to be perhaps some kind of balance. We're going to look at that a little more in a second. The supreme, excuse me, the true Christian should enjoy a level of happiness regardless of our situation within the world. And tonight we're going to look at three of those things, as you can see it there on the slide. Hope, contentment, and peace. But maybe an approach to that that's a little different. Have you read this before? Psalm 118 in verse 24. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. For so many of us, this verse reads, this is the day that the Lord has made. It'll be fine, I guess, but I'd have done it different. Right? We sometimes say that. We sometimes approach it this way. Here's how maybe it should have been. Let's talk about three things here tonight. Let's talk about hope to start with. <clears throat> Hopefully, a Christian knows that our life is not all there is to our existence. I want you to think for a second. Is there anything that you are currently looking forward to? Several years ago, it's probably been 14 14, 15 years ago now, Mary and I took a train trip to Washington, D.C. We went from Cincinnati to Washington. It took about 12 hours. We came back. And I always enjoyed taking that trip. Several years ago, I told Will about it. I said, that train runs, doesn't stop in Cincinnati, it goes all the way to Chicago. And I mentioned to Will that we would one day, me and him, ride that train to Chicago, go to a baseball game. We're going to do that here in about a month. We're going to take that trip up to Chicago. Let me give you a little information now. 
Well, traveling on this train, they're a lot slower than an airplane. They don't go near as fast. We're going to leave Cincinnati at 1.30 a.m. on a Friday night slash Saturday morning, however you want to view that time. It'll travel, hopefully, to Chicago and be there by 10 a.m. Baseball game starts at about 1. Now, it might be the worst possible time to ride a train, right? We're going to load at 1.30 and we're going to travel all night until 10 o'clock to get there. Now, how many people, when telling that story or hearing that story, would immediately think about, ooh, that's a late night to get there. Oh, that'll be riding all night and you're not in your bed. I think there's a difference in people, right? Sometimes we hear that and we think negative. We think positive. Well, that's when the schedule for the train is. I can't change that. But I'm looking forward to spending one night on a train with a pull-down bed that comes down from the wall with my son. I think it'll be fun. Barney, what was it on the Andy Griffith show that Opie said sleeping on iron boards adventure sleeping? Y'all relate to that, right? That's probably what this will be whenever we're on the train, right? It'll be a little bit of adventure sleeping as it were. Because I'm hoping that when I get done, I've probably got about three months worth of stories to tell for sermons after that's over as well. When we think about our hope, when we think about things that we look forward to, what if we had only the things of this daily life to look forward to. For every exciting adventure that comes once ever so often, we have all the same troubles every day. So, sure, I could complain about a train ride through the middle of the night on a pull-out bed that's no way it's going to fit me. But that would just go along with the same complaints. Work, bills, Doctors, troubles, whatever it might be, right? So let's look on the, first, the part of hope there that's on the good side. First Corinthians 15, what we read there just a moment ago, it says that we'd be of all men most pitiable or most miserable, depending upon which version you're reading right there. What if we don't have anything positive to look forward to? What if we only choose to look at the negative side of this? We would be most miserable. Miss Watson in the story seemed most miserable. The person I asked you at the beginning who I said, do you know an unhappy Christian? They are most pitiable or most miserable right there. They lack that hope as it were. Our hope rests on our faith. We can't escape the difficulties and troubles of life. Nobody can. Nobody can. That's been that way since the beginning of time. But we can be comforted in knowing what waits around me. We can have hope that that will be better. And don't be bogged down with whatever bad is existing. Because that will exist no matter what. And don't borrow trouble. Don't borrow these negatives that maybe we don't even need to be worried about anyway. Contentment. Contentment. We might not be satisfied with every aspect of our life. If I were to ask you right now, on a scale of one to five, one is not 
five is extremely, the numbers here are in between. If I were to ask you, how satisfied with your life are you? How would you rate that? Well, that's up to you. But if we were to break that down into other categories, I might say, how satisfied are you with your house? And it might be up here. But how satisfied are you with your car? And it might be down here because you had a lot of trouble with it. How satisfied are you with the refrigerator there, Ben, that we talked that y'all had? Well, that's somewhere in between, right? We have these categories when we think about contentment. We might not be satisfied with every aspect of our life. Sometimes we need to look for a different job. Sometimes we might need to move to a different house. Sometimes we might need to seek out new friendships. This is issues in all of the space, right? But contentment doesn't necessarily mean that we have to be resigned to the status quo. Think about that for a second. Someone who is content can abound in any state, can live in any state, can deal with any state. Let's think about this for a second. Philippians chapter 4, I want you to turn right there because I don't have it. But Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. Paul writing to the Philippians says, Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. Think about that for a second. I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry both to abound and to suffer me. What he's saying here is, is that no matter what the situation is, he can find a level of contentment. doesn't mean that everything's perfect. I don't know that Paul would have rated the prison as a five, right? He probably would have rated that number a little bit lower. But he says he can be content in whatever situation faces him. Here's why. Because Paul had lived up here and Paul had lived down here. And he fell somewhere in the middle a lot of times as well. Can you relate to that? Have you been here before? You've been here. Somewhere in between. All of us can relate to this, right? There's a level of contentment there. First Timothy 6, 6 says that godliness with contentment is great gain, right? We know those verses as well. Another source of contentment can be found in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5. We read, let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Think about that. We can have a desire for improvement. We can desire for things to be made better. We can look for things that we rate kind of low to try and improve. Might need a new car. Might need a new fridge. Might need a new house. Might need some new friends. Might need to make some changes in life. We can look for those improvements without being coveting of it. So here's the thing. When we become so focused on improving this one thing that we shut everything else out, it's not contentment, as covetousness. And that's what it says in Hebrews 13, chapter 5, to stay away from, to avoid. Our contentment comes from knowing that Jesus will never leave us nor forsake us. Number three, peace. How many times have you ever thought to yourself, all I need is a little peace and quiet. Ever thought about that? Yes. Ever thought about that? Yeah, I would imagine most of us have all 
been in that spot at some point, right? And the person that's with us or the person that's in our home or people that's in our home, they say they're going to go wherever they're going to go. And your thought is, yes. <laughs> and their thought is, yes. Everybody's excited. And they're gone for five and a half hours. And you're like, back already. All right? <laughs> Sometimes we need a little bit of peace and quiet, right? Why is that? Well, the world's pretty hectic. If I were to ask you right now not to list things from one to five and how you like them or don't like them, but how many things do you have to do this week? Can you make up a pretty big list? It'll get pretty hectic pretty soon, right? If we're not careful, we'll have things that are reliant upon the weather. Well, I'm going to do this if I can get this done kind of a thing, right? And all of a sudden, it got bigger. Mary and I talked about this today. I was coming to, going to church, come from church or something. And she said, you're about, don't have much to do this week. And it's true. That was happy. All right? We get out of school this week, and that's good to know. But for the most part, we always have stuff to do. And I've got stuff to do here for this job here this week as well. But with so much to do, sometimes we do need not think. We don't need to worry for just a minute. Philippians 4, verse 7, affords us the peace of God, which passes all understanding. Prayer is one of the things that can sort of bring us that peace. Philippians 4, 6, we read, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. See, if there's a hope for something better, if there's contentment with what we have, but there's also a desire for some little bit of improvement, there's a prayer that goes along with that peace, right? We can ask God for that, whatever it might be. But sometimes that doesn't get answered the way that we desire, right? There are countless examples in the Bible of people praying for things that don't really come, we use the word like a genie, they don't come true, right? Well, they didn't come true because that's not what God wanted for those people, whatever that case might would be. Now, I don't think it's a coincidence that Daniel went into his closet and prayed three times a day. This morning after church, Tom told me, he said, I understand what that verse means. He said, when I go off to pray by myself, he said, I can think of everything I want to say. He said, but sometimes coming up to the front of the room, you draw a blank sometimes. Well, there's truth to that. Because when you walk up in front of a group, everybody's there, right? But when you're off to yourself, who's there? You and God, right? It's only you and God. And it's one of those things that if you make a mistake praying in front of the group, nobody's going to be upset. But you're talking sort of individually in that closet, as it were. Daniel was doing that. We read about that. That Daniel does the same thing. That sort of takes that time away, that removal, that sort of seeking out peace without being harassed there on the other side. Sometimes to find peace, we've got to remove ourselves from the distractions. And a lot of times, we really enjoy the distractions. A lot of times, we like the distractions of life. Because I think that we like those because they distract us from the fact, like the woman in the story at the beginning, that we're not super happy with the Christian life that we've got ourselves in. But that shouldn't be the case. We should be happy with the life that we have. We shouldn't 
be content saying that this is all it's going to be. I'm just going to quit. We should strive to do better. But that peace can come when we remove ourselves from the distraction. So let's think about this to go on. It's impossible to make life perfect. Amen. Do you want to make life perfect? Think about it. If life was perfect, where would your stories come from? If life was perfect, where would your laughter come from? When we think about life being perfect, if life was perfect, where would our growth come from? See, we'd all be the same. But the imperfections of life are what make us better livers of that life. It's what makes us better Christians within that life. That's what we grow from. Happiness can be an elusive search for a lot of people. You'll spend your whole life searching for happiness that was right there all along and you didn't see it. We need to center our happiness on Jesus and the Word of God. When we center it on something, that's where we focus on. We're not always right there. We may move a little bit here or there. We may circle around a little bit. Some things will pull back. Some things will push forward. But we need to center our happiness on Jesus and on the Word of God. We need to keep these three things in mind. We need to keep a hope of an eternal life when this is over. We need to keep our contentment with whatever situation we face. And we need to pray for peace, hoping that that peace that surpasses all understanding can be ours as well. If there's anything that we can do for you to help get there, whatever that might be, sometimes it might be baptism because you've never found it at all. Or sometimes it might just be help with one or two or three of these categories. That could be the case as well. But whatever it is, that's our responsibility to try and help you. And if there's any way we can, we invite you to come while we stand and sing.